In the legal news podcast system, the people are serviced by two separate yet equally important types of episodes. Hard-hitting analysis of major news items and fake awards shows celebrating the legal profession's depiction in popular culture. This is the latter. Well, 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 well. If it isn't the big time hotshot lawyer man. Then hold me in contempt, and I will refer this to the Judicial Conduct Committee for immediate action. Mackenzie Brackman Cheney et al. does not handle $750 collection cases. It's an infringement on your constitutional rights. It's outrageous, <laughs> egregious, preposterous. Actually, I was going to stay in my office tonight and work on my law blog. Of course, the blah 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 law blog. <laughs> wow, you, sir, are a mouthful. He's badgering, Your Honor. Sit down and shut up, Mr. Feynman. Overruled. And you will address the court from now on, Mr. McCoy. You tore a community apart. You tore families apart. You destroyed lives, Senator. Admit it. Admit you killed Trisha Stanley and had my client David Allen set up for her murder. If there's one thing America needs, it's more lawyers. Can you imagine a world without lawyers? Welcome to Pro Se, Law360's <laughs> weekly podcast. This is our Emmys extravaganza, if you haven't figured that out yet. Yeah. And I'm your host, Amber McKinney. In honor of the Emmys that are coming up this weekend, we're going to do a very special episode where it's all focused on awards for the best in legal television. And I'm here with two great presenters, Bill Donahue. Hello, hello. I am excited to be here talking about TV. And Alex Lawson. All the big names from the law and television are, uh, are in the room. We have... Uh, Brett Kavanaugh's in the room. I'm glad he got in. I understand there's some problems with his documents <laughs> getting in. Uh, Bob Mueller's here. Bob Mueller's here, but he won't stop talking about the Americans. It's off the air now, Bob. Find uh, a new show. I like this a lot. How, right. long, how long were you workshopping this? Uh, I mean, I got a couple more in the chamber if you want to go. No, uh, we, no, no. We got a lot to talk about. This it's is exciting. good. This is a sequel show to our uh, our Oscar show. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, we felt like if we did the best in legal cinema, we needed to give some equal love to the best legal TV. That's yeah. right. Yeah. So I want to just get right into it. Let's, Let's go do with it. our first award. Our first award is for the best legal advertisements. Yes. Okay. There's a surprising number of these that come out of TV. Um, we have a runner-up in this category. It's Arrested Development for Bob Loblaw's advertising, sure. which we heard a little bit about in the intro package. His, his law blog. And I <laughs> and uh, honestly, like, and we're going to be talking about a great many shows today. Like Arrested Development is like such a sleeper in all of these categories totally. because you have Bob, yeah, you have Bob Loblaw, Julia Louis Dreyfus, Julia Louis Dreyfus, blind attorney, Maggie lies her ass off in court all right. day, uh, and then of course Barry Zuckercorn, like sure. the, the Henry Winkler, like tripping all over himself, and light light treason. You can't commit. You can't convict a husband and wife for the same crime. It's a million legal jokes. And what's great about this is it's like that it really is arrested development that like the idea that they came up with this funny wordplay and then clearly reverse engineered a whole like <laughs> yes. season's oh. worth of jokes right. around it for for a blah 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 law blog so right exactly anybody that doesn't watch the show the bluth family is the the central family in the show yeah. and they are just literally in legal trouble all the time mm-hmm. as you talked about alex so the name is the joke. I mean, it's Bob Blah Blah. Yep. But he has one ad in particular where that joke isn't even my favorite. It's when he deadpans this line. Why should you go to jail for a crime someone else 
noticed. <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's a classic. So that's, that's a, very good. That's a good runner up there. All right. But we have a winner in this category, and I have to say, this is probably uh, my favorite television lawyer. Mm-hmm. Um, this is an award for Saul Goodman from Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. Breaking Bad is my favorite show of all time, so it's no surprise that Saul Goodman is my favorite depiction of a lawyer. Yeah. And for anybody who hasn't watched Breaking Bad, he's definitely uh, on the sleazier side of the legal profession. Sure. Yeah. So his advertisements also Follow bear suit. that out. Yeah, right. Oh, hello. I was just working on a multi-million dollar lawsuit for one of my clients. I know what you're thinking. Yeah, a lawsuit sounds good, Saul, but uh, who can I sue? Who can you sue? Try police departments, libraries, construction companies, school officials, cleaning services, financial institutions, local and international, your neighbors, your family members, your church, synagogue, or other religious institution, your employers, your employers' customers, suppliers, companies in other countries, companies that made the drugs that were turned into the drugs that you took. (laughs) The possibilities are limitless. It's so good too because they're scrolling by and they start putting that. in other ones that he's not saying. Right. It's very good. Yeah. yeah, it's classic. And then the very end of that um, that commercial for for Saul's legal practice gives the name to the spinoff show. He says at the very end, "Better Call Saul." Yeah, it's just. A, it, it, I mean, it's a story. That is a story about like sleazy people doing like like basically debasing themselves to survive and then for pleasure and all that stuff. And it's just a great. Like to have like to have like a sort of like the only like comedic character on the show is like the one who's like providing you legal cover. Right. Like says a lot about the way that Vince Gilligan views the world that that show plays out in. We talked about this off the air, but uh, I was worried. I asked Alex before we started filming this: Are there any spoilers for uh, for for Breaking Bad? Because I haven't seen Breaking yeah. Bad. Yeah, Bill hasn't Bill seen Donahue. it. Bill I know it's a it's a large uh, blind we... spot in my media intake. <sighs> I don't care to show shame because there's so many TV shows, and especially now, like there's a lot of good TV shows to yeah. watch. But you should you should really recognize. I know. That. Well, last half full, I have a big thing that I can dive into. That's at some always point. nice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's um one coming up in our next category that I haven't seen. So yes, <laughs> um, uh, and that that's get that gets us to the next one. And uh, this next category is called Best Spotlight on Injustice. Uh, Those are issues we talk about uh, here a lot, and especially in this first one, which is our runner-up in the show, comes from The Good Wife. um, And it deals with the issue of diversity hiring. Which we've certainly talked about a ton on the show. A lot. And uh, uh, in this scene um, at the firm, uh, they are sort of trying to take, at the high-powered Chicago law firm that they work in, they're trying to find some new associates to hire and they're going through the crop uh, of people that have interviewed and there is a very frank exchange uh, between Diane Lockhart played by Christine Baranski played immaculately by Christine oh, yeah, Baranski she's great. by the way um, and some of the other partners uh, talking about the various merits of the people that they have interviewed for this job I like Monica too but I do worry about her LSATs I thought you wanted new talent Carrie yeah and we have it in Brian John Michael and um, the other one you mean the three that look like you that has nothing to do with it. We need some diversity at the firm. Every young face class, every other We have Excuse me. Uh, I'm for the black girl. So they make a little joke about that. They have one of the more colorful characters on the show making that last comment about hiring the black girl. But um, Diane's comment there, I think, is so great um, when you think about the shows we've had about gender inequality in yeah, the law. Yeah, sure. Without because a doubt. She is talking to a room of three other partners, and they're all white men. Yeah. So she's the one woman advocating for opening up the profession to other women. Yeah. And and what happens in that clip after what you just heard is really interesting, too, because the, the older guy says, like, 
because they push back after his comment where I, we should hire the black girl and people and he's like I, I thought I was on I thought I was doing the good thing and it sort of gets to the idea of like you can't just sort of I know. make policies you can't just sort of like right. try to fix it by and not understand the problem so yeah. it's an interesting it's an interesting sort of take on everything that we've talked about on yeah. the show and we'll hear from the good wife again and as I was I was talking to Bill about this yesterday I feel like in like the peak TV cable TV era like the good wife is like one of the most highly regarded still basic cable shows yep. Um, that you hear from it's it, I mean it's you know they tell re- really interesting stories spooled over a long time and that's like kind of like a dying art now but anyway so uh, that was the runner up uh, the winner though in best spotlight on injustice uh, comes from uh, our friends at the Chappelle show <laughs> uh, we, we, we all knew this was coming um, it's a great great uh, sketch that's available in its entirety on YouTube if you've somehow not seen it you need to see it um, much like the beginning of this show, they do a riff on Law and & Order, and it basically transposes the way that the federal government has for years and across bipartisan presidential administrations enforced uh, crime, enforced white-collar crime versus basically drug crimes, right. you know, pe- crimes against rich people versus crimes against poor people and people of color. And it basically inverts that. It, it, it involves law enforcement authorities taking very careful steps to treat uh, drug offenders in this context uh, with a sense of decorum that you don't often see play out in reality. I'm Detective Charles Stevens from the Dade County Police Department. I've got a warrant here for your arrest. A warrant? Charges cocaine trafficking. And uh, frankly, I'm afraid I don't know how to handle it. Oh, man, we got to be careful with this. We don't want to embarrass somebody like me in front of my family, my community. I'll tell you what. I'll come in and turn myself in around uh, Thursday, okay? Is 1 o'clock good for you? Oh, no, that's no good for me. I got some trim coming at 12. I'll turn myself in, say, between 2 and 6. Thank you so very much for your help. And again, I'm sorry for the inconvenience. Oh, no problem. One love. Uh, yeah, I, I love you too. <laughs> I mean, Dave Chappelle is a master at yeah. taking a real problem and just making it hilarious. It was just inverting that yeah, expected thing. That's fairly early on. It gets only more more ridiculous from there when the when like the white collar like banker guy like yeah. gets the cigarette put on him by by the right. cop in the interrogation room. What was interesting, I looked into when this so this episode came out in two thousand four. Okay, um, and it was obviously. Big picture, it was in the wake of the Enron scandal. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. A lot of white-collar criminals went to jail. Um, but it was right after uh, the the lead guy in the um, the WorldCom scandal, which was sort of tied in with Enron, but yeah. he had just been indicted like a month before, two months right. before. So it was, you know, it was very of a time. Like this, this there was a wave of these these indictments happening, and, and I feel like the show was sort of commenting on that. Yeah, yeah. And it's, a gr- and it's a wonderful commentary. As I say, you should seek it out if you haven't seen it. But So with our next category, let's stick in the realm of the criminal. Yeah. We're going to go to Best Criminal Trial. All right. Portrayed on a television show. Right, of course. <laughs> and I, it goes without saying that criminal trials are exciting and flashy, and, and there was a lot to pick from here. So yeah. we, we yeah, went it's from- ripe for TV. We, we could have constructed a whole show around criminal trials, to we be honest. Went, we, we had, we had the, the, the cream to pick from. So we, yeah. went, uh, we went with some, some very prestigious shows. Um, the runner-up is The Wire. That's the one I haven't seen, guys. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so this, we don't think this I mean, if we're going to shame Bill for not seeing Breaking Bad, you Go deserve, ahead and shame me. You, you, I know. You deserve, I deserve your it. fair, a small rebuke for right. sitting on The Wire, especially as an attorney. So yeah. the scene, there's a lot of, uh, un- unsurprisingly, there's a lot of courtroom scenes in The Wire, but right. the one we're going to talk about today is um, Omar Little 
in season two, he's in um, he's on the stand as a state's witness in a murder trial against someone involved in the drug trade. Um, Omar is a guy who walks around Baltimore and robs drug dealers, and um, he has struck this deal with the cops to be in in the court for as a as a state's witness. Um, it's it's a it's certainly a visual scene to a certain extent. It's it involves him wearing a ridiculous outfit that they made him wear and everything else. But um, uh, so to set the scene, it's the, it's the the defense attorney for this guy sort of trying to paint Omar as a bad guy. It's you know we saw it in um, in the Manafort case this last time. People trying to paint Gates as yeah. you know why if he's if he's striking a deal with prosecutors. He's this guy who goes around and robs people with a gun. Why yeah, should right. you believe that he didn't just strike a deal and lie and say whatever they mm-hmm. wanted? He cheats on his wife. Why is he a exactly. good witness for you? Yeah, so so the, the prosecutor keeps needling him, and that gets a response and a really interesting back and forth. And look, I never put my gun on no citizen. You are a moral, are you not? You are feeding off the violence and the despair of the drug trade. You're stealing from those who themselves are stealing the lifeblood from our city. You are a parasite who leeches off Just like you, the culture man. of drugs. Excuse me? What? I got the shotgun. Got the briefcase. It's on the game, though, right? It's so good. because, And that's one of the most famous lines from a very a show full of famous lines. Yeah. Um, I got the shotgun, you got the briefcase. But... Um, you know, it's it, it's great because it's sort of it is the wire encapsulated. The wire is this whole idea of looking at a modern American city and blurring all the lines of like where all the institutions are. That things are breaking down, and it's not easy to say that the criminals are all the bad guys and the cops are all the good guys. And this this does that perfectly. That it takes this guy who's, you know, a, a guy in a suit, a criminal defense attorney. He's yeah. this upstanding guy, and. As we later find out on the show, he's you know he's working with the drug dealers and and so it's it's it sort of takes the show's message, yeah, and puts it all out there. Omar's testimony too is like because this is season two, right? It is. It, it, it really was for a lot of people when the show like levels up a little bit because like season totally. one's very good. I mean, it's a it's a great show start to finish, but this is like when you see like as you say the the, the ethos of the show on full display. Um, and like really kind of like took it up a level. So you guys have made me feel like I definitely should binge The Wire. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but if The Wire's that good, and I'm intrigued now, what could possibly beat it in this category? <laughs> well, we're sticking with HBO. That famed legal drama. And we're going to go Game of Thrones. That's right. <laughs> now this yes. might sound ridiculous at well, first. Well, let's just go with, can anybody have a podcast where they talk about anything that's TV related and not mention <laughs> you, Game of Thrones? You beat me to it. Yeah, we have, we, we, we have quotas to fill. Right. It, is, it is our most popular show. We'll be putting it, uh, for SEO purposes, we'll be filling the uh, yeah, right, show info right. with, with Game of Thrones. Um you know, we actually, I'll, I'll get to what we are going to talk about in a second, but we could have done where the guy gets thrown out the, uh, he gets thrown out the moon window. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I like that. It's another, uh, sure. yeah, there's multiple trials by combat. Um, uh, Oberyn Martell getting oh, his eyes squeezed exactly. out. We which is, which yeah. is the result of, anyway. We couldn't so, do that yeah, one because I'm, I would have cried. <laughs> we'll set it up. I'm getting ahead of it a little bit. So Tyrion, who's the closest thing this show has to a main character, I yeah. think we could all agree. Probably, sure. um, yeah has been accused of murdering his nephew, the King Joffrey, um, who was an evil, wicked king. And judging this trial is uh, uh, Tyrion's father. And his brother has struck this deal where if if Tyrion just comes out and admits to the crime and begs for mercy, he will be spared. Yeah. It doesn't go that way. Uh, he comes out and something triggers him, and we get this very, very powerful scene. Yes. Father, 
I'm guilty. Guilty? Is that what you want to hear? You admit you poisoned the king? No. Of that I'm innocent. I'm guilty of a far more monstrous crime. I'm guilty of being a dwarf. You are not on trial for being a dwarf. Oh, yes I am. I've been on trial for that my entire life. Have you nothing to say in your defense? Nothing but this. I did not do it. I did not kill Joffrey, but I wish that I had. Watching your vicious bastard die gave me more relief than a thousand lying whores. Do you hear that chewing noise? <laughs> it's, it's, it's the scenery from it's all the, around. The scenery is being, uh, <laughs> is being consumed. Yeah. I, my, my like hot Game of Thrones take is that I don't actually think Peter Dinklage is like that good in this role. Well, it's interesting because this was um, this was the, the accent specifically. More this than was like the episode it. and presumably the scene um, that he was nominated for an Emmy that year. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, for the Emmys, you get picked for a specific yeah, uh-huh. episode. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's that that scene is is Game of Thrones at its like ridiculous hammiest at it, at best. best, and it yeah. is still. I mean, I'm I'm picking on his performance, but for like character wise, like it's great because because oh, yeah. it's until, a real payoff. Un, until that point, Tyrion is like basically like the coolest character on the show. He's always got something funny to say. Right. He's always like sort of like blithely commenting on yeah. all this like ridiculous I, drama. And I drink now, wine like, and I know things. And, sure. Yeah, and now he's got like well, some, some skin in the game, and, and yeah. it's and that's another thing that's just iconically Game of Thrones that. It's it's these you know seasons long arcs that are finally coming coming due in this right. in this scene and I think we would be remiss if we did not mention how this scene ends and yeah. how this episode ends like thirty seconds later <laughs> the camera zooms in on his face and he demands a trial by combat trial by combat it's very good yes. it's it's it is it is peak peak Game of Thrones yep. So we've come to the part of the show, uh, like every award show, we have a Lifetime Achievement Award. And I think it's important to recognize certain monoliths, uh, you know, entries in the pantheon of legal television shows. And you may have noticed that so far we've done, we're about halfway through the show, and you've not heard us mention Law & Order. And the reason for that is because we feel that Law & Order is deserving of, like, to be on a whole other level than all these other... Uh, shows that we're talking about, and that's why we're giving the entire Law & Order franchise, all of its iterations and tentacles, uh, our Lifetime Achievement Award. And here to receive the award is Ice-T. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> we we tried, guys. I'm, we did try. I'm not going to tread into the problematic area of doing an Ice-T impression, but, I, but it, it would have been nice if he could join us. Maybe we'll try again next year. Well, I do think it's <laughs> worth talking about a little bit why we decided Law & Order deserves this Lifetime Achievement yeah. Award. I think the number one reason is that there's basically no human on Earth that hasn't seen at least one episode of this show. Um, <clears throat> You've never even seen like here. part of an Come episode? I, I mean, I've seen clips, but I Do don't know that I've ever seen... Wow. Have you ever scrolled past full TNT episode. on a weekend? I know, it's weird. I USA just... <laughs> Network plays it a lot, too? It just doesn't... All right, all right. Yeah. So like you a, aside... A, like a, a week-to-week procedural just like doesn't do it for me. Well, well it does yet. it for a lot of people, because the original Law & Order premiered in 1990. It ran for 20 seasons. Yeah. At the time, it was canceled. It and these was, are big boy seasons. This is not yes, premium... Yes, full season. Yeah, this is like, 20, like, oh, like 22, 23 episodes. Cranking out 
about content. Yeah. So at the time of its cancellation, it was the longest running crime drama on American TV. Mm-hmm. It tied um, the twenty seasons tied with Gunsmoke as the longest running live action scripted TV. A show. A different type of law enforcement show, <laughs> right? And Gunsmoke. And as you said, they were robust seasons full of episodes. So the total number for the original Law and Order series was four hundred and fifty six episodes. Wow. Yeah, so many. And then it's spo- and then it spooled off all these. Well, because hasn't Law and Order SVU been on longer than Law and Order Prime? I thought that too because SVU is my favorite. Yeah. So I looked that up and SVU has done 19 oh, seasons. Oh, so but 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 it's, they're getting there. It's starting the 20th season oh, okay. at yeah. the end of this month. What so was the other it's one? already up to 434 episodes. Oh yeah. So we're uh, uh, yeah. so we're really close to that that was the second one SVU. Yeah. It's spooling ahead of of Prime Law yeah. Order. The other the other one you're thinking of is Criminal Intent. Oh, that's and right. And that's not as that's not there's not as much like courtroom stuff cuz that deals with uh Detective Michael Gorin who is played by Vincent D'Onofrio. Yep. And he's just like a kooky Sherlock Holmes type. Hmm. But that's that's in like, I, I think that was like eight or nine seasons yep, or something. And they're introducing a new one this year. They're going to premiere Law and Order Hate Crimes. So it's just the franchise that Oof. will go on and on. <laughs> um, I, think, I think for me, like what it, I, I, I like, I get enough of the regular bad news and like from the news. <laughs> you don't need I don't it ripped need from like the a, headlines, fictionalized? No, I don't need like 47 yeah. minutes of like, of like lightly fictionalized versions of the like hellscape I that we I get what you're in. saying, but I do watch SVU still and- and yeah. there is something very comforting about how well put together it is. And part of the reason we did this Lifetime Achievement Award is because between Law & Order and all of its iterations, it could dominate any category you can think True. of. You could yeah. come up with any category in the world, and there are Law & Orders that fit that precisely. And it really just, covers just so much legal the, territory. There's also, like, for, for the foreseeable future, there's, like, never going to be another type of Law & Order. Like, like n- nothing that, like, takes root for this long right. for this many people. Uh, I was a big JAG guy. <laughs> uh. <laughs> <laughs> like, because legal procedurals are nothing new. Like, they, they, sure. still, they still crop up. I mean, and, and, and they'll probably still prop up, but it won't take root in the culture this way. Um, and there's a reason that we open the show with like a send up of the Law and Order opening. It's iconic and it like it's instantly recognizable. And for that reason, Law and Order franchise, lifetime achievement. Guys, our next category is best own of a judge. Yeah. And the reason I liked this category is that it feels like- It goes like... to State Farm. <laughs> Who own a judge, right? allegedly. Sorry. Third show in a row. That's great. Yes. Um, All right. It Sorry. feels a Go little ahead. bit like this is almost wish fulfillment because uh, attorneys don't get to push back this directly in real life, right. uh, in real courtrooms. Yeah. A legal wish fulfillment. Yeah. Here, you know? So the runner up in this category is The Good Wife. This is our second- um, mention of them and it's a scene where Alicia Florick is questioning somebody on the stand and they plead the fifth and the judge immediately jumps in and starts peppering this woman with questions about why she's taking the fifth Alicia doesn't like it and he screams at her that um, her move for a mistrial is denied tells her that she needs to shut up and Alicia takes none of it she then starts saying stuff to him about how the judge can just go ahead and hold her in contempt she's fine with that she will just immediately go to the legal ethics committee about this whole thing and the judge promptly backs down. Yeah, it's, it's a good a, scene. Yeah, it's a, a it's a good one to see. Angling for a fictional offbeat segment in the fictional pro se <laughs> yeah, that exists exactly. in the in the good wife universe. Uh, so that was runner up. What do we have for the winner? So the winner, we're taking a little old school. We're going back to Matlock. Hell yeah. If you guys don't remember that, that's the one where it was um 
Andy Griffith. He was this Harvard-educated attorney, a defense attorney in Atlanta. And he would always get his justice in really dramatic, last-minute moments in ben trials. Ben Matlock. Right. So this is one of my favorite ones that just sort of bears out that conceit really spectacularly. He um, is defending a young man who's accused of killing his girlfriend, and the person that actually did it is the judge on the trial. <laughs> <laughs> that oh, judge, yeah. that by rules. the way... The judge yeah. is played by Dick Van Dyke, so this has everybody in it. This is Classic like old, old man TV, TV right? bingo. Like, <laughs> yeah. like you, you have old man TV bingo. Right, could, yeah, you could work some bonanza into here. Uh, uh, we'd get it all. Michael yeah. Landon is the bailiff. So, so Matlock comes up with this rather elaborate scheme to sort of convince the judge to old Ben Matlock to go. Um, tip his hat to where some evidence is. It's the clothes the judge wore when he was committing this act, and Matlock ends up getting the judge himself on the stand <laughs> to make the big reveal. Mr. Bryan is a former member of the Atlanta Police Department. Do you recognize him? No, I do not. You didn't see Mr. Bryan there this morning when you were in that building? I have. I've never been in that building. I suppose we could have Mr. Bryan testify that he saw you in that building, but then that wouldn't prove that you killed Joanne Lee, would it? Order! Order in the court! Matlock, I warn you, making these unsubstantiated charges is contemptible. Mr. Addison, I don't make unsubstantiated charges. You see, this morning, when you went back to that condominium, when Mr. Bryant saw you, to remove your clothes, that you had left there till this whole thing was over. You didn't remove your clothes. They were replacements that were placed there by my associate, Mr. Tyler Hudson. These are your clothes. This is your raincoat. See Joanne Lee's blood? Guys, do you hear that crinkling? <laughs> That's literally Andy Griffith pulling clothes out of a bag and holding up a bloodied coat. The right music in front of the judge. and like the gasps. It's like it's. <laughs> it's also it's, a great show because you're gonna get a title reference every episode. Matt, Matt Lock, come Matt on! Lock. <laughs> yeah, this one's great because it just so encapsulates a show I remember watching all growing up, and it's. Not how anything works, but it's <laughs> yeah. great TV. There's the yeah the, the the ultimate own of a judge is convicting a judge. So yep, that's sure nice. is. Um, in any case, uh, the next category we have um, is called most difficult litigant. Um, the whole idea of entertaining TV shows is premising them upon interesting characters, and you know those characters aren't maybe always the people that you'd like to represent during legal proceedings because they have weird, quirky personalities, uh, and that certainly takes root here in this category. Uh, for the runner-up, we go to yet another uh, benchmark of prestige TV, The Sopranos. Uh, of course, the HBO show that kind of lit the prestige TV fuse in yeah. a lot of ways. Um, we went with uh, the scene from, uh, I believe it's in season four, Pi, Oh My. Um, Uncle Junior is uh, on trial or, or, or is embroiled in a legal proceeding over a RICO violation. Also, the, I think the third week in a row we've talked about that. It is true. That law. Um, and he's watching coverage of the trial at home, and they show a picture of his courtroom sketch. 
and he is incensed. It's so good. He's incensed by it. It's um, hilarious. Great, great performance, like everybody on that show. And basically, his 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 his, his rebuke. He's like, it's a bad courtroom sketch in his opinion. It's actually not that bad, by the you way. Know, like, it really looks of, like it. Do you remember when people talked so much about those Tom Brady courtroom sketches? Yeah, well, those were those were very bad. But it has always reminded me of this scene where yeah. I just imagine Tom Brady at home and he yeah. looks over at Giselle and he's like, "But it doesn't look like me at all." Well, and what yeah. and what Junior says is, "What what kind of likeness is this?" <laughs> and then in the next scene, like the the, the 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 sketch artist is is sketching again, and Uncle Junior is like, like staring daggers into it. <laughs> well, and he's a in the show, he's a like a mobster. Of course, yes. It's, it's very good. Yes. Uh, so that was the runner-up, Uncle Junior in The Sopranos. Uh, the winner in the most difficult litigant category. Not what you expect uh, always in a uh, in, in a discussion of legal uh, TV shows, but it is Michael Scott in The Office. Uh, <laughs> Michael Scott was difficult all the time, real so it makes time, sense. Long-time office heads, of course, will remember uh, the early season four arc where Michael is embroiled in uh, his girlfriend Jan's lawsuit against Dunder Mifflin right. uh, for discrimination and uh, and like uh, not harassment. She was she she was fired. It was like wrongful termination. There yeah. you go. Yeah, thank you. Um, and Michael is of course both her subordinate was her subordinate and now dates her. And uh, in classic Michael fashion, uh, he is brought in for a deposition in this lawsuit. Uh, Jan has tried to feed him lines to say. Uh, it quickly goes off the rails to the point where he is desperately trying to just extricate himself from the situation, uh, and it all kind of coalesces when uh, the person who's transcribing the deposition uh, begins to read back uh, the whole sorry scene to him. Mr. Scott, do you realize you just contradicted yourself? I did. Yes, you did. Can I go to the bathroom? No. I really have to. I've been drinking lots of water. You went five minutes ago. That wasn't to go to the bathroom. That was to get out of a question. You still have to answer it. First, can I go to the bathroom? No. <laughs> the deadpan reading there is so good. And he and he deadpans at the camera, like always. Um, and the best thing about that is because, like, we, we're, we're hearing the 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 transcription person say that uh but like you can hear michael saying it in your mind's totally. ear which is what's so because there's such great characterization on that show um great stuff i mean that and that's just one clip that whole entire scene where he's trying to remember the lines and like the idea of like tr- of putting somebody like michael in a serious legal proceeding is like it was is mined perfectly for comedy well gold. like you said it's four seasons into the show so we have a very good idea exactly. of who michael is at that point so you start getting to that point in a sitcom where you can start toying with just what everyone knows about the character yeah. and putting them into these new situations it's really good yeah so we're gonna stay for our next category we're gonna stay in uh the realm of comedies mm-hmm. and we're going to go with the idea of the the most absurd cross exam or witness examination portrayed on tv yeah i feel like that's an important portrayed on tv you know <laughs> yes. it's really really superfluous here. if you haven't gotten it by now i don't really have anything for we're you talking about it's all on tv <laughs> yes yes uh, uh so what's first the runner-up is um an always reliable comedy of uh it's always sunny in philadelphia yeah it's uh you know a show near and dear to my heart grew up very close to philadelphia of course um we don't get frequently mentioned on uh network tv you know (laughs) so uh best portrayal of philly ever (laughs) there you go uh so charlie uh charlie kelly one of the one of the four main characters in the show he is representing a guy in court somehow as an attorney uh he frequently pretends to be a lawyer on the show um he's representing a guy who put bath salts into a glass of milk at a wedding because it's always sunny. Uh, this resulted in someone being assaulted at the wedding. Um, and, ch- you know, Charlie's putting his case on, and he believes he's broken the case wide open. 
saying that the uh, the true the true the true perpetrator was a bird named Royal McPoyle. Ready, boys and girls, because here's where it gets good. Ryan McPoyle didn't attack Liam, Royal did. And Lion was lying about Ryan attacking Liam to protect Royal from the chair, or lethal injection, or perhaps some sort of small bird guillotine. I wouldn't understand the physics of it. I'm not an executioner. I'm just the best goddamn bird lawyer in the world. <laughs> Honestly, the hardest thing with this was choosing which bird law clip, because it's such a yeah. great thread in the show. So I was looking back, and I found... Four different references yeah. to Bird Law, um, going back to like as early as like the third or fourth season, I think it was, right. where he just—it's just in passing reference, sure. and talking about like you can't have that. It's—it's it's, I, I know Bird Law very well, so it's—it's yeah. it's been going for a long time. It's another show where we're very deep into it, and this was probably season ten or yeah. eleven. So like you can just play with these gags at this yeah. point. Uh, the winner in the category is—you know—we couldn't go through a whole show without mentioning The Simpsons, of course. The winner is. <laughs> Lionel Hutz uh, putting Homer the on the best. stand. He's one of our most, I would say he's one of the most iconic television lawyers yeah. just because sure. he's on this, you know, one of our longest running shows. The longest running scripted show at this point, I right? I think that's right. Yeah. Um, so the setup here is that Homer has retained the services of Mr. Hutz to sue an all-you-can-eat seafood restaurant after he was kicked out <laughs> prior to finishing his meal. Mrs. Simpson, what did you and your husband do after you were ejected from the restaurant? We pretty much went straight home. Mrs. Simpson, you're under oath. We drove around until 3 a.m. looking for another all-you-can-eat fish restaurant. And when you couldn't find one? We went fishing. <laughs> did these sound like the actions of a man who had... All he could eat. No, that could have been me. <laughs> uh, that is classic Simpsons right there. And even that's so funny because of the way it's constructed. But just hearing Lionel Hutz's voice, oh, it's I mean, so good. One of the most famous Simpsons characters and voiced by the late, great Phil Hartman, Rest who, in peace, Phil who Hart- did a lot of really great characters before he passed away ahead of his time. Um, it's, it's also funny just to think about the way that the Simpsons have done lawyers. Like... This there, there's there's Lionel Hutz who obviously is just an idiot yeah. and um, but then the only other real lawyer who's on the show is he doesn't even have a name he's called Blue Haired Lawyer and he's the guy with the little round glasses oh, and, sure. oh, you yeah. know he talks like this yeah and yeah he's this sort of like nasally corporate lawyer and he's always involved he represents Mr. Burns and he's he's always representing big bad evil companies so, so it's basically like, you get like one really negative depiction of a trial attorney and one really negative depiction of a transactional like corporate attorney yeah, right you right. get idiot all you, get. you get idiot ambulance chaser or like this evil big law attorney right. you don't get anything in between yeah well uh this is the end, right? Uh, yeah, uh, we are getting near the end of the show, and while this has been a fun, uh, you know, examination of uh, you know stuff in pop culture, we are still a news show, and so I thought we would be remiss if we didn't talk about um, a television legal moment that is the most timely, and that's this award, the most timely. Um, we only have one uh, here, no runner-up. We just went straight to the winner. Um, and it comes from uh, season four of The West Wing, uh, Aaron Sorkin's political drama, of course. Um, but it tread into the law quite a bit because uh, he examined, he basically sort of uses the show as as a little font for examining legal issues that are important and will be inter- eternally important. And the thing that we're talking about here is actually, and the reason it's the most timely, uh, is because this is a scene where President Bartlett uh, is trying to pick a new Supreme Court justice. 
And to aid him in his selection, he invites um, a justice that he's already put on the court, uh, a conservative justice that he are, that it, that the liberal president already appointed because this is um, political wish fulfillment television. <laughs> um, but uh, it is uh, the, but the the great character actor William Fickner uh, plays Christopher Mulready, the justice who comes to talk to Bartlett uh, about the importance um, of uh, you know in t- maintaining the integrity of the court. Brennan railing against censorship. Harlan's Jeremiah on Jim Crow. Maybe you someday. Hmm. They can't put me on the court. Just like you can't put Evelyn Lang on the court. It's Shelton's from here on in. There are 4,000 protesters outside this building worried about who's going to land in that seat. We can't afford to alienate all of them. We all have our roles to play, sir. Yours is to nominate someone who doesn't alienate people. It's good. See what I'm saying? Yeah, that certainly is timely. The idea, I mean, and it it, it goes on there like like everything with Sorkin. It's like a long, winding, uh, you know, interesting colloquy about uh, about the law and its importance. But it's, you know, it 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 gets to this idea of like, and this came up at the Kavanaugh hearings. Of course, Trump is like trying to get Kavanaugh on the court right now, where it's just like, you know, what what was settled once long ago can change over time as like hearts and minds change and things like that. Um, and it's just a really great, I mean, I'm a total Sorkin nerd. I mean, that's like, that's all, it, it, it's not always aged well because like politics is did, like so bitter. Did this conversation happen while they are walking somewhere? <laughs> no, they're actually, they're actually sitting, sitting down. Sitting. They're yeah. sitting. That's they're sitting good. in the Oval Office. Took a lot of restraint for Aaron to, uh, put them, put them <laughs> sitting down. A lot of, lot of restraint there. But um, I think that's so, a really yeah. good place for us to end our, our first Emmy extravaganza show. It'll probably be the old, the only one, right? There's a lot of TV guys. You never know. (laughs) Unlike movies, we could have a second season. (laughs) There you go. Well, thanks for being with me, Bill. See you again next week, guys. And Alex. Thanks. I also want to thank several other people, including my DVR, and also our producers, Kelly Marcano and Stephen Trader. Music for the show comes from Silent Partner and Little Glass Men. If you want to check out any of our other episodes, go to our website, law360.com podcast. You can subscribe to us on iTunes or Stitcher, and if you like us, please leave a review. Thanks, and join us again next week when we will return to our regular show format. Stabler. He was a good cop. Him and Benson were together for 12 years. That's a decade longer than my marriage. Boom, 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 boom.